Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. Chris here, your host, and today is an extra special episode because today is episode 200 of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I can't believe we're already at episode 200, only two and a half years into the podcast, um, but I've done quite a few bonus episodes. I added in Healthy Mama Hacks at the beginning of the year, which you have all had really good feedback on. And so we got to 200 quicker than some, but I'm so excited to celebrate with all of you. This podcast has been an incredible passion project over the last couple of years and a really important part of my business, which is something that um, it was both intentional and unexpected at the same time. I knew that I wanted the podcast to be a part of my business, but I don't think the impact that it would have on me being able to really create a community within the work that I do to be able to connect with all of you on a different level. Um, when I was coaching, it was a great way to connect with new coaching clients. And it has just been such a gift over the last two and a half years, over the last 200 episodes to interact with each and every one of the guests that have been on the podcast, to learn from them, to grow through them to connect with each and every one of you who sent me a DM to see all of the incredible reviews on the podcast, which I always appreciate and always helps the podcast to grow. 
And so it's just been a really incredible journey and I'm so grateful for it. And so today I wanted to do a really special episode. I wanted to take us back to the beginning. On episode two of the podcast, I shared my story. It was, or I guess it aired on February 4th, 2019, and it's called My Story, How I Found My Beautiful Balance. And today is September 2021. And in September of 2016, so five years ago, was when I really embarked on my own journey to finding food freedom and discovering what balance really meant for me. So in that episode, in episode two, I shared with you my story up until then, how I had found my beautiful balance, and I'm going to kind of revisit some of what I shared in that episode to catch any of you who haven't listened to that episode up, but then I'm also going to include what has happened since then and how my view and experience of having freedom with food has changed and evolved over the last two and a half years. So we're going to revisit my personal story to finding food freedom and how that was the original root of the podcast and the reason why I had a desire to start a podcast for moms on balance and helping women find balance in food and movement especially. But as many of you who have been listeners for the past two and a half years know, the podcast has evolved a lot in the last couple of years, and that goes along with my own personal evolution and recognizing that even though in that season, in the early days of the podcast, my deepest passions were helping other women find balance with food and movement, that balance is so much more than that when it comes to motherhood. And of course, food and movement will always be central points of the podcast. You know, that's where my training is and what I love to to share with the world or some of the things that I love to share with the world. And, and we'll go into more of how my business and my life is evolving in that way kind of towards the end of sharing with you today. But I just wanted to kind of take it back, take it back to the root of the podcast, revisit my personal story and share with you kind of how it has changed and evolved and grown in a really positive way. And maybe encourage some of you who might be on your own journey to finding balance and feeling like things might be evolving for you as well and give you some encouragement that it's okay that things evolve and change and that our views and our beliefs evolve and change and that our experiences evolve and change. Because like in the episode, I talked about eating for your season. And then I, I had an episode that aired in April where I shared about some of the changes that were happening in my business. Everything in life is a season and we are not meant to stay the same. We're meant to grow and change and evolve. And so I'm, I'm really excited to record this for you and to kind of share how that has happened in my own life. I also wanted to mention that I want you to stay tuned for the end of the podcast because I am going to be announcing some very special changes to the format of the podcast. Good things, I promise. And um, just a couple special announcements. So stay tuned for that. Let's go ahead and let's dig in to revisiting my food freedom five years later. So in order to prepare for this episode, I actually went back and listened to episode two, my story, how I found my beautiful balance. And again, if you haven't listened, I will link that below in the show notes so you can listen to that and you can kind of hear where I was then and where I am now. And 
So it was really, really interesting to kind of revisit that point in my story and realize how much has changed in the last two and a half years how much has changed in my life. When I started the podcast, I was about two and a half years into my food freedom journey and I had a, I guess she was four then. So I had a four-year-old and now I have a seven and a half-year-old soon to be eight in November, which is crazy. And I had a 14-month-old soon to be four-year-old. Oh my goodness. In just a few weeks now, or I guess at the end of October, I, I shouldn't rush things. And I was in a really different life season than I am now. And I was also in a different place with my food freedom journey than I am now. Because thinking back, I thought that I was so far into it, about two and a half years in. And now I realize that I still had so much to, to grow and to learn. So in that episode, I started by sharing my childhood experience, seeing the women in my family just constantly dieting and talking about dieting, you know, the Carnation Instant Breakfast and Slim Fast Shakes in lieu of meals, and a lot of making comments on their body. And also making comments on my body because my body is just a little bit different than the other women in my family or some of the other women in my family. Um, and just remembering some of the feelings that I had around feeling like my body was different um, and that there was a certain way that our bodies were supposed to look and learning that from a really young age and just kind of seeing that example of dieting, shrinking our bodies as being something that's admirable or something that you always needed to try and to strive for. And um, that being something that definitely affected me and in ways that I, I definitely didn't even realize until I was a little bit older. So I shared about gaining weight when I was in junior high around the time of puberty. If you listen to my episode on balancing my hormones, you know that that started kind of early. And this is way before I knew I had any hormonal imbalances. But um, I, I definitely it definitely started early and I gained quite a bit of weight all at once. And it was kind of the, the root of me feeling sort of self-conscious about my body, even though it's very normal for girls to, to gain weight in early puberty. Our bodies are preparing to um, be full-grown women and be able to bear children, to bear, bear babies. And um, so that means that we need a little bit of extra fat on us in order to have the stores needed for our babies. So it's it's very normal, um, but it's also normal for girls, especially girls who have had the experience of body talk and diet culture around them to feel uncomfortable with that change. Um, and even though the actual number on the scale didn't really matter to me for a long time, it, it definitely it definitely was a source of shame. I was bullied a lot in junior high school. There was one particular boy who was just like so cruel to me. And looking back, I like feel so bad for that sweet girl who like just thought that if she impressed him, then he would stop bullying her. And uh, it was a pretty awful experience. And that was actually the time where I started turning to food for comfort and started emotionally eating, which was something, again, that I didn't recognize until years later. But it would be like, you know, I had a hard day at school and I would come home and I would just eat and eat and eat and eat. And then I would forget about what happened at school. And that would happen every single day. And that also contributed to um, a bit of a, a drastic increase in my weight in kind of junior high school um, before high school started. And then I talk about the pivotal moment um, in early high school when I was sitting in gym class and we had to do those like state mandated fitness tests. And that included um, getting our height and weight taken. 
And these were like written on pieces of paper for everyone in the class to see. And uh, they weren't like, you know, posted on a board or anything like that. But, you know, if, if you peeked over somebody sitting below you on the bleachers, which I did, you could see what their height and weight was. Um, and I saw the girl in front of me and her and I had the same height, but I was 30 pounds heavier. And again, that feeling of shame came up and I didn't really do anything about it at the time. Um, but I definitely started feeling even more uncomfortable in my body. I remember trying to to hide my stomach, which was something that was always a source of insecurity for me. Um, kind of, I would wear these like tight shirts, but I would pull my pants up really high, which is like the style now. <laughs> but high-waisted jeans weren't in style then. So I would wear like medium-rise jeans and pull them up as high as possible to kind of hide my belly. And I would do all of these things and be really, I remember being really uncomfortable in my clothes because I didn't want to wear anything super baggy which I also did at times. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of start to hide myself. But the, the moment that really changed it all was when I was in black belt training. Um, I was a martial artist for about a decade and I was going through black belt training when I was about 15. Uh, yeah, I was, I was 15 and I had been training a ton. I'd been working out a ton and I hadn't really changed anything else in terms of the way I was eating, but just the added exercise meant that my body started to shift. And this wasn't something that I had noticed. I wasn't at the point of weighing myself, um, as, as much as I was conscious about my body to me, it wasn't a noticeable change, but I remembered walking into the karate studio, into the dojo and there were these two moms who were sitting there and who were looking out at their kid's class, which was just before mine. And they made a comment on the fact that I must have lost weight. And they said, you look great. And those three words, you look great. A compliment that I don't know I had ever heard before, literally shifted my mindset into a place of that being my worth and that being what I wanted to strive for in order to be good. You look great. So at that point, it was like, oh my gosh, I look great. I've lost weight. That means I look great. So what else can I do to impress the people around me? You know, I am a young, vulnerable teenager who's already uncomfortable with her body. And somebody commented that losing weight was good and that I looked great. And I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. So it was like that day or the next day, it was very soon afterwards that I started, um, like I bought a bunch of fitness magazines and I started seeing what I could do to follow the meal plans in the fitness magazines. I went to the health food store and got these like protein shakes and these green drinks and started replacing my meals with those because that's what I saw people in my family doing. And I'm just remembering back to, just remembering back to comparing myself to other people and just this instant, almost instant, this seemingly instant shift into feeling like now all of a sudden I felt like I could control what other people thought of me and I could control the way I looked and how much almost confidence that gave me, it was obviously false confidence, um, but it did, it gave me, gave me a little bit of confidence and it, it gave me that feeling of control. And so I turned to that and it very quickly spiraled into an eating disorder. And it was something that happened, um, 
you know, I think looking back, it happened a lot more quickly than than I think looking back. Um, but it was definitely a slow progression from me just being more interested in nutrition and expressing that to people and deciding that I wanted to go into um, school for nutrition and kind of shifting that. I had had a few different ideas of what I wanted to do growing up, one of them being a forensic investigator, another one being a makeup artist. I, I don't know. <laughs> I had a lot of things that I wanted to do. For a while there, I wanted to be a pharmacist because I grew up in a family of pharmacists, decided that wasn't for me, and uh, nothing nothing really quite fit until I started getting interested in nutrition. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I meant to do. And um, so I had quickly spiraled into this place of really, really under eating, tracking and measuring everything I ate. And remember, this was, um, let me see, we're talking like... 2015, not 2015, sorry, 2005. So we're talking 2005. So this was before um, I definitely didn't have an iPhone that had like MyFitnessPal or any of those trackers. So I had a book that had calorie counts in it. And I started mem memorizing calorie counts and reading labels and eating as little as possible and working out on top of the training I was doing during karate. And then when I got my black belt, I ended up doing lacrosse. And I say that lightly because I was never like really a lacrosse player. I was just kind of on the team. I started going to the gym after school and running as much as I could. And um, just really, really um, being in this place of being very, very obsessed with food and fitness. And to people on the outside, I think it just looked like an interest at first. And then I started losing weight and losing more weight and losing more weight. And then people started getting a little bit more concerned. And I talk about the moment in early college, I did end up going um, to school for nutrition. And I remember, um, or I, I talked about remembering my best friend sitting me down and looking me in the eye and saying, if you don't get help, then I will. And um, I, I took it and I, I knew um, just from the training that I had had so far, you know, my first year of school, recognizing that um, what the place that I was in wasn't healthy. I don't think at the time I thought that I had an eating disorder. I think that I just thought that I was like too healthy and I lost too much weight. Um, but I recognized pretty pretty quickly um, once I had talked to I had talked to my doctor that what I was doing was actually dangerous and it wasn't healthy. And so I went to see a dietitian, uh, and I started. I gained the weight that I needed to back in order to be considered healthy. But what was what I find really interesting in, in my whole story, and looking back, I, I wish there would have been somebody else to guide me in this. But I think everyone involved in this situation was just very confused and unsure about what to do, because from the outside, I don't think it it looked as bad as they as I think if they knew if they knew everything that I was doing and how unhealthy my mindset was, then maybe they would have taken a different approach. But I think I did a pretty good job of of kind of hiding things and eating around people. So they never saw me starving myself. Um, and they never saw, you know, all of the journals with all of the calorie counts or how, you know, much I would push myself at the gym or the little extra workouts I would do to try and lose more weight or any of those, those really, really unhealthy behaviors. I don't know how many people saw those. And, um, and, and I don't know, I looking back, I, 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 I don't think that anyone intentionally, anyone in my life, you know, um, teachers, parents, family members, none of them intentionally um, didn't get me the help that I needed. I think they got me the help that they thought that I needed. And so, you know, just seeing the dietitian and gaining the weight back from the outside, you know, it looked like I was healed, but I never got the help that I needed to heal my relationship with food. And so I, I definitely 
felt more freedom with food during that time after I had gained the weight back and I had started eating more because I felt so much better and I recognized how much of my life was taken away by obsessing so much about food, how many different experiences with friends and adventures and things um, I, I just didn't experience fully because I was so obsessed with food and fitness in my body. And so I talked a little bit about my trip to Italy and how transformative it was to be in Italy and to be enjoying the food there and enjoying the experience and not actually being able to, to work out in the way that I had before. Because A, there wasn't really a gym. There was this like tiny gym, but I would have had to pay for it. And I was on a study abroad budget. So I didn't want to do that. And I couldn't run because I was at elevation for the first time in my entire life because I grew up in New England right on the water. And uh, and it was just too much for my lungs. I would have had to like basically train to be able to run at elevation. It was super, super hot in the south of Italy in the middle of July. And so instead I just walked and I enjoyed the food and I went from being a vegetarian to enjoying some um, meat and seafood as well. And I, I learned how to cook from the, the chef in the restaurant that we would go to at night at dinner. And it was just such a beautiful experience. And it definitely opened, it opened me up to my, my love of food. And I, I decided that I wanted to one day go to culinary school and, and help people learn how to enjoy food in a way that I had started to learn to enjoy food as well. But again, even though my body was healed and even though I had started to have a more free mindset around food, not really doing the work of healing my relationship with food meant that it was really easy for me to slip back into old habits. So I talked about meeting my husband shortly after I got back from Italy and um, then struggling with binge eating disorder really, really bad for um Gosh, about six to nine months. Um, when we were apart, we were unexpectedly um, separated from each other when he had to move back to Canada after school. We thought he was going to be able to stay and then he didn't. It was this whole situation. Um and uh, we had some plans that we weren't able to do. And I was just, I was really, honestly, really depressed and anxious about the whole situation. I didn't know when we'd be able to be together again. And I turned to food um, like I had in my younger years. And I gained a whole bunch of weight really, really quickly because I was binge eating in secret obsessively all the time. And I knew I didn't want to go back to restricting like I had in the past, but in my head, dieting wasn't bad. I, at, at that point, I had not associated the fact that, um, went, that I had kind of started from a place of dieting and then it turned into an obsession. In my mind, dieting was just what you did when you gained weight. And so I was struggling with binge eating disorder and I started dieting that fall so this happened kind of, you know, the spring and the summertime. And I had, I started dieting again that fall with family members because it was like, oh, I've gained a whole bunch of weight over the summertime. I've got to lose it. And then that winter, I ended up um, moving to Toronto with him and starting culinary school. And at that point, the binge eating stopped basically because, okay, now I was in this new city and I was starting this whole new life and there was no reason for me to binge eat anymore. And so thankfully, that was something that I... I really put behind me for the most part. I definitely had some kind of relapse instances here and there, um, but I'm I'm thankful that that didn't turn into anything, um, I guess, more severe than it was. 
And then I, I lived in Toronto and it was such a beautiful time, at least for the, the first little bit that we were there. I went to culinary school. We got married. I started studying holistic nutrition. I started my business as a natural food chef. I am fast forwarding things. My passion for food came back. And I, I, even though I did do some dieting on and off, it was really when I started dealing with some more severe gut health issues. I had dealt with gut health issues since I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11 just on and off. And while I was studying holistic nutrition and um, working at a holistic nutrition studio was when I was dealing with all these gut health issues. And so, you know, I got some really great advice from the people that I worked with to, you know, see a clinical nutritionist and get my gut health in order. And um, this was actually really a really good time, a really important time for healing. And I learned a lot about how passionate I am about, I guess, um, healing our bodies through food and how much food can help us to heal our bodies. It's not, it's not the end all be all, but how what we eat really does affect our bodies um, and it can affect it in a positive or a negative way. And so that was something that um, I, I think was both positive and then also negative in a way because I definitely got very obsessed with eating clean and eating the quote unquote right foods versus the wrong foods. And I couldn't eat anything that was processed. And there was a little bit of orthorexia happening there. I say a little bit, but I bet my husband would disagree. I bet he would he would think that um, we've talked about this before, that it was it was pretty obsessive at the time. Even after I had kind of healed my gut, um, I was pretty obsessive about the food that I ate. And part of it was the nature of the work that I did too, you know, being labeling myself as a natural food chef. I felt like I couldn't eat anything that was quote unquote unnatural, even though we were eating a ton of takeout because my job as a personal chef was super busy. And um, I actually started feeling not so great. So I'd kind of, you know, healed my gut health and been very obsessive about food for a while. And then as my business started to pick up we stopped eating at home as much and we started eating a lot more takeout. I was exhausted. I gained a little bit more weight back again. And of course that made me uncomfortable and I was just really not feeling great. I was super low energy and um, I thought that, you know, there was something going on with my hormones, which it turns out there was. I ended up seeing a naturopath because we decided that we wanted to start a family soon and I was like, okay, I'm feeling kind of awful. And um, so we did a bunch of, of hormone tests and that was kind of the first cue that there might've been something going on with my hormones. Um, but we didn't really get too far deep into it because then I got pregnant and I had my oldest daughter who, like I said, is going to be turning eight in November and I had a really, really difficult pregnancy. And this is something I will I will go into in detail because I know that um, there have been quite a few of you who have expressed um, interest in learning more about my own pregnancy journey because I've talked about it here and there in different episodes when we've had different hormone experts on, um, when we had Lily Nichols on talking about real food for pregnancy and how much her protocol really helped me with um, gestational diabetes. And so I had a really difficult pregnancy, a lot of health issues, and it was very, very stressful. And um, it really just caused a riff with my body. I, I really felt like my body had betrayed me. My body had failed me. Like my body was meant to grow this human. Wasn't it supposed to go well? I, I had spent so many years healing from this eating disorder and then trying to eat so healthy and healing my gut. And now I'm dealing with gestational hypertension and gestational diabetes and needing to go to all of these tests at the hospital and meet with dietitians and having them judge every single thing I ate because I you know, needed to keep my numbers in line. And I did. And I was so obsessive. And I know that my husband would agree um, during my first pregnancy about making sure my blood sugar was was in line and you know how much they would scare you about 
the, your risk of diabetes going up after you have a baby, after you've had gestational diabetes and the baby's risk of diabetes going up. And of course I wanted everything to, you know, to go well with my baby. And it was, it was really difficult. Um, and so I think the difficult pregnancy, and then I had a tough labor, labor and delivery experience, which was not the labor and delivery experience that I had hoped for, but I had a healthy baby at the end. Um, but, uh, I recognized that both things exist that, um, I had a really traumatic labor and delivery experience, which I will again, also share in the future with a disclaimer, because it was difficult though. I did have a healthy baby at the end. Um, there were positives and negatives to that experience. I don't think I realized how triggering having a really difficult pregnancy and labor and delivery experience would be. Um, and, uh, as soon as my daughter was, a, you know, about four or five months old, I started to feel like my body wasn't where it should be in the postpartum period. You know, as women, we are oftentimes taught that our bodies are supposed to bounce back and uh, especially after our first pregnancy, right? And I was so young, I was only 24 and I was like, why is my body not back where I expect it to be? And so I joined an online fitness program. Uh, it was a three week online fitness program and uh, you guys can probably figure out what it is, um, but it involved uh, portions and measuring, but it wasn't calories. So it wasn't obsessive for me. So I thought, and, uh, and fitness. And so I did these workouts and I, you know, tracked my portions. And, uh, after three weeks I had lost some weight and I was like, well, I might as well do it again. So I did it again. And, uh, then that turned into another program and another program. And then I decided to be a quote unquote coach with them. Cause I'm like, well, I already have the nutrition experience and the food experience. Like I might as well coach people on this. Uh, oh gosh. Looking back, I'm like, oh, I I had some qualifications, but a lot of the people who were also quote unquote coaches in this uh, business did not. And that scares me a lot because they were encouraging people to, you know, to diet and to go in these extreme programs and to do these extreme programs over and over again, which is what I did. And, and from counting portions, it turned very quickly into me counting calories again, me doing two a day workouts, and once again, obsessing over food and fitness. And going back to this... I understand fully that this is because I hadn't healed my relationship with food, that I, if I, I don't know. You know, I say if I had healed my relationship with food, maybe none of these things would happen. But at the same time, I also don't want to say, I don't want to give what ifs and I don't want to put what ifs out there because I'm really grateful for my whole journey because so many different parts of my journey have helped me to connect with so many different people in different stages in their own journeys. Um, and, uh, and I'm really grateful for that. And so... I did have this phase in my life where um, I was kind of, I was very obsessed with that. And it, it turned into a, a deep interest in fitness. And so I went from kind of doing these online programs to getting into the gym and to getting into the world of bodybuilding. And I look back with some fondness um, on this experience in because even though I was pretty obsessed with food and fitness, I, I do really enjoy movement and I love a challenge. And this is actually something really fun that my husband and I could do together. So we would spend a lot of time together at the gym. Um, I, I really enjoy strength training and how strong and powerful it makes me feel. And so this was something that I, I did enjoy a lot, but there was definitely the underlying 
pressure I had put on myself to look a certain way, especially once I became a personal trainer and I um, and a fitness instructor, and I was uh, teaching group fitness programs and or not programs. Yes, I was I was teaching group fitness programs online, but I was also teaching in person group fitness classes. And you know, I had these ideas in my mind that I needed to look a certain way to impress the women that I was training, and um, that definitely added an extra level to my obsession with fitness. And I ended up signing up for a fitness competition. And that was kind of like the last straw to my 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 real obsession with food and fitness because I gosh, I, I've talked before on podcasts. I'm not sure if I shared this experience on on my own podcast, but there was a moment, it was Easter. It was just a few weeks before my fitness competition was set to be, and I was on such a very strict, strict protocol. Uh, I say protocol. It was not a health protocol. A strict plan in order to reach my goal of you know being a certain size and shape for this fitness competition that I was going to do that I couldn't really eat much. So because I'm a chef and I love food and I love serving people with food, I... I prepared this whole brunch for my parents and um, my husband and my daughter, and we're all sitting around the table, and I had like a couple pieces of fruit, which I remember feeling guilty about because they weren't on plan, and I was going to have to track them, but I think I had a smoothie like before or after because that was what, and when I say smoothie, it was basically just a protein shake. There was very little in it other than protein and like the lowest calorie almond, um, I was going to say almond flour, almond milk I could find. And, um, I remember my, my daughter who was about two and a half at the time looking over at me and saying, mommy, why aren't you eating this? And I, I didn't know what to tell her because I knew that what I was doing wasn't healthy or sustainable. And I didn't want to tell her that I was trying to be healthy and then have her think that that was what she needed to do to be healthy or have her think that the food that she was eating wasn't healthy. Cause I think I, I recognized at that point that balance was about eating all types of foods, but eating the amounts that feel good for you. I just thought at the time that you know you still had to measure and track if you wanted to stay a certain size, which I, I know now is is not true. But I still kind of had that mindset, but I kind of thought that, well, kids can just eat whatever they want. Uh, and I didn't know what to tell her. And I think I was just speechless because I was like, what kind of example am I setting for my child? And at the time, I was also on um, a, a spiritual journey too, and I I remember um, hiding the fitness competition from the people in my life who I'd met through the church that we had started going to, thinking you know that they would judge me for getting on stage in a purple bikini and feeling so uncomfortable, even though I had worked so hard to get to the point of being in that fitness competition, feeling so uncomfortable and exposed, standing up there doing the fitness competition. And even though I placed well, I placed second in my division. I just, it, it wasn't a great feeling. And I was just, I was ready for it to be over. And it was actually during those final few weeks of training for my fitness competition that I started researching what something different would look like, what balance might look like, what food freedom might look like. And I don't know where I got the the term food freedom from, but I know that I discovered a couple podcasts on food freedom and intuitive eating and I started listening to them, but I wasn't quite convinced that that was right for me. But I was curious and I started researching and I was learning, but I didn't really start moving towards food freedom until I had a crazy health crash. So about a month after my fitness competition, I've talked about this before, but um, my entire my entire body just basically broke down. I was diagnosed with 
I, I think they diagnosed me as chronic fatigue. Um, but basically, you know, I woke up one morning after, you know, feeling perfectly normal the day before and I could like barely lift a 10 pound weight. And I was, you know, I was squatting my body weight plus in the gym a few days prior. And so I was very confused. I was super, super weak. I was really exhausted. I was falling asleep sitting up. I, I could barely take care of my two year old. And I I didn't know what to do. So I went to the doctor. I got all of these test results, uh, all of these tests done, and the results all came back pretty normal, except my cortisol was totally off. And the doctor was basically like, you need to eat more and move less. And I saw a couple nutritionists and they basically said the same thing. And so I spent that summer really working on, on healing. And when things didn't get better right away, which you know, I'm impatient, so I should have recognized that these things are going to take time. But I started going for more tests and I saw a naturopath um, about some hormone imbalance issues that I was worried about. I, I had lost my period during the fitness competition training. I'm actually probably a little bit before that. And I thought I would have had it back a few months later and I didn't. And so I saw a naturopath and um, she did a bunch of hormone testing on me. And the test results that came back were pretty shocking. And they were actually um, very, it was very obvious to everyone who looked at them, except my GP, who uh, did not accept the test results, which is a whole story for another day. Um, but my midwife and the naturopath both looked at them and they were like, you have PCOS. My testosterone and my DHEA levels were through the roof. I dealt with um, imbalanced um, and irregular cycles my whole life, blood sugar imbalance issues. And uh, I had a lot of the symptoms of having PCOS, except for the fact that I was not, um, okay, first of all, I should mention that there are different types of PCOS and there is no one look to PCOS. PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. For those of you who don't know, I shared more about this in my hormone balance journey, but because I wasn't obese and hairy, like honestly, that is what most people think of when they think of PCOS, like, um, think the, the bearded lady from, uh, the greatest showman. But that's not true for everyone. And so they basically told me that there wasn't much I could do. But thankfully, I had the naturopath to help me to go on a, a supplement protocol. And she told me, you know, it was just about balancing my blood sugar. <laughs> balancing my blood sugar is not a just about. It took some time to figure out how to balance my blood sugar without being obsessive. And um, I spent that, that summer healing. And after spending that summer healing and gaining some weight back and um, actually starting to feel good again, I started to think about what I really might, what I want, might want my life to look like when it came to food and fitness and, and what would really feel good. And I remember doing a Whole30 um, under the advisement of the nutritionist that I was seeing. And, um, oh gosh, that was like, that was like the last, that was the last diet I did because it was just so horrible and uncomfortable. And after being so restricted for so long with the fitness competition and that journey, I just didn't, I didn't want the restriction anymore. And I, I knew that I was ready to, to dive into, to food freedom. And so after that stint with the whole 30 in September of 2016, I committed to no longer dieting. I was like, this is it. I'm done. I, I'm, I don't want any more restrictions in my life. I just, I want to feel good and I want to have freedom with food. And so it was, it was that point where I started looking into having an intuitive eating counselor. I'd started to learn about intuitive eating. I read the intuitive eating book. I hired an intuitive eating counselor um, and I worked with her for a few months until I got pregnant. Um, and what was really interesting is that my pregnancy experience the second time around was way, way different than my first experience because I was in a healthier place. Um, my body was in a healthier place and I think my mindset, I was less anxious, was in a healthier place. And I'm really grateful 
for the difference in my two pregnancies. And then also following Lily Nichols protocol for gestational diabetes, which did require me to do things like, um, look at the carbs that I was eating and the different types of um, times of the day and, um, discover what felt good in my body and, and what my body responded to. And, I don't think any of these things are bad. I think that's one of those ways my journey with food freedom has evolved over the years is recognizing that sometimes it is important to be intentional about our nutrition and it's okay. It doesn't have to be obsessive. There's a difference with being intentional and being obsessive. And so I went through that pregnancy. I had my beautiful, sweet baby, baby bird, baby Wren. (laughs) Um, And I did, I did struggle a little bit with my body image um, and some thoughts about wanting to lose the baby weight after. But after kind of really embarking on this journey to food freedom and intuitive eating, I knew that that was where I wanted to be postpartum, that I wanted to be in a place of freedom. I wanted to raise my girls with freedom around food um, and also recognizing that it's important to nourish our bodies really well. Having my my background in both traditional and holistic nutrition meant that I, I am really, really passionate about nutrition and nourishing our bodies. Um, and that has been one part of this food freedom journey that has been really hard for me to reconcile, if I'm being totally honest, is figuring out, um, you know, that balance of sharing health and wellness and living a healthy life and eating more real foods and enjoying more real foods and cooking more real foods and just oh my gosh, just enjoying the benefit of health and being nourished with this, with food freedom. And, um, and that's something I'll explore more in a little bit, but I just, I kind of, I'll wrap up my story kind of as to, to where I left off in, in that episode and, and kind of what happened from there. So, you know, after that pregnancy, after I, you know, started struggling a little bit with my body image, but I was really committed to treating my postpartum body with kindness. Um, but it was, it was a few months after, um, her first birthday, Ren's first birthday. So I had really, so I had had her and, um, I was navigating breastfeeding and having two kids and I was committed to not dieting. And even though there were some uncomfortable thoughts that had come up, I I'd spent most of that first year really just living intuitive eating. And it was that fall that I decided that I wanted to embark on a journey to becoming um, a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I ended up completing that in the early spring of 2019. But during that time, I, I decided that I wanted a little bit more help to make sure that I was at a good place when it came to a good mindset, when it came to intuitive eating. And uh, that is when I started working with Paige, Paige Schmidt. She was my coach for the better part of a couple of years. It started out with intuitive eating and body image, and it quickly turned into uh, us talking about money and life and balance and business. And it was just, oh my gosh, she was a godsend. The way that she approached food freedom was different than the way that I had seen a lot of other people approach it in a really, really positive way. And I think the reason why she resonated with me so much was that it was all from a place of joy, this place of joy with food and gratitude for our bodies and not this very, um, anti-diet, very politically charged world of intuitive eating that I think is perceived on social or not um, perceived isn't the right word that is displayed on social media a lot. And it always made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And, um, you know, as um, against diets as um, as they are, you know, 
as traditional diets are portrayed in the media, she is, I know. Um, she just approached it differently from a different place, from this place of joy and gratitude. And I appreciated that so much. And it felt so warm and loving and free. And she allowed me to share about how much I cared about my health and my wellness. And she encouraged me that it was okay if I didn't want to just eat donuts and pizza all day. Like I felt like the people, the intuitive eating people online were telling me to do. And she encouraged me to do what made me feel good and helped me to, to learn to, to really, um, accept my body instead of really focusing on loving my body, which I thought was the end goal. It was about, accepting my body as it is and accepting all of those changes and, and not obsessing about it anymore. And one of the things that, that I think I, I learned from her was simple acceptance and focusing not on my body and loving my body, but focusing on loving and living my life. And when I started focusing on not loving my body, body, but more on loving my life and living my life to the fullest, then my body became less important. And it became more about fueling my body in a way that felt really good so that I could live the life that I want to live and love that life. And so that was a really important part in my journey because I wanted to enjoy food again. I had had this background of being in the culinary world and loving sharing about food and teaching cooking classes for so many years. And that is what I had missed the most when I was struggling with food for so many years. And I really wanted to bring that joy back into food. And I think she helped me with that a ton. I worked with her on and off for a couple of years and I'm, I'm blessed to call her a friend and a mentor still to this day. And now she has this really beautiful coaching program, um, called Aligned Coaching. And uh, she's been on the podcast twice and I will link those episodes down below because she's an incredible coach and an incredible human. And I'm so, so grateful for her guidance. This is also the time where, uh, I was, you know, studying and then passed the intuitive eating counselor exam. And so I was building a business as an intuitive eating counselor. And I was really trying to emulate others in the intuitive eating world. And like I said, I felt like at that time, especially the intuitive eating world was very anti-diet focused. And when I say that, I mean, it, it felt like a crusade against diets so much more so than actually encouraging intuitive eating. And maybe that was just the people that I was following, but I found that to be true for a lot of the people for a lot of the time when it came to intuitive eating. And there was less, there was less of how to become an intuitive eater and to find more joy with food and more how to stop dieting because diets are evil. And I didn't love that approach. And I wanted to be someone with a different approach, but at the same time, it was hard because I wanted to stand out on social media and I wanted to build this business and I wanted people to come to me. And so really finding my voice in that world was hard, you know, because I uh, I didn't have a background as a dietitian. I had gone to school for nutrition, but ended up studying sports nutrition um, because I decided that I didn't want to be a dietitian. And so I didn't have that background. A lot of my background was in holistic nutrition. So I still love talking about things like um, gut health and micronutrients and things that other people were not talking about, especially in the intuitive eating world. And I thought I had to hide that part entirely. I really believe in, in eating lots of real whole foods because it's one of the, I think it's, I personally think it's one of the best ways that we can improve our health in a really simple way. 
And it doesn't have to be obsessive in the least bit. It's just about eating more real whole foods and less of the processed foods. But I thought that that wasn't even allowed. I was like, oh, that's diet culture. I can't talk about that. There were so many um, shoulds and shouldn'ts and cans and can'ts that I put on myself in this in this time in my business. And um, I had started the podcast and I was trying to share about intuitive eating kind of by the book. I felt like I wasn't allowed to share any of my views on food outside of what the intuitive eating book says. And I remember that becoming almost like a Bible of sorts. Like, okay, can I say this? And comparing it to the intuitive eating book and feeling like, oh, I can't say it like that because I felt like the like intuitive eating police were going to come and get me because my views on balance and food might have been a little bit different than the intuitive eating book. Even though I believe in the principles as they are, you know, laid out, I didn't think that it was okay for me to have my own opinion, which is so silly when I think back of it, but think back at it now. But I definitely felt like there was a rule book that I was supposed to follow. And um, and that makes me sad because I I wish that I had shared some of my my views on what intuitive eating really looked like to me a lot earlier than I did because I think it, my business would would look different than it than it had. Um, at the same time, I was really enjoying coaching and one on one coaching, and um, I think I shared a lot more of my thoughts and feelings with my one on one coaching clients and encouraging them um, than I did kind of in public on social media. But um, I really. I started feeling this shift in my business and in my own journey with intuitive eating um, because I really honestly had started not feeling so great myself. Um, so some of the gut health issues that I had had in the past in you know this place of me trying to be the perfect intuitive eater, remember, so many years of me trying to be the perfect dieter <laughs> had turned into me trying to be like the perfect intuitive eater which uh, landed me in a place of eating a lot of foods a lot of the time that did not make me feel very good. And I thought that, well, I have freedom with food, so I should be eating everything. Um, and it wasn't, it, it's not about, for me, it's not about eating all the things all the time. It's about the freedom to eat anything I want to eat whenever I want to eat it, but the choice to eat the foods that feel good, that nourish me and that serve my body well. But I hadn't quite grasped that yet. And so I'm in this place of trying to build this business and trying to fit into this mold of the intuitive eating counselor, trying to follow intuitive eating as almost a rule book, but then also not feeling very good. And I was actually really imbalanced in my life as a whole. Uh, I was leading a mom's group locally at the time, as well as running my business and having two young kids. And you know, my husband worked a corporate job at the time. And he also went away sailing in the summertime. And I was, gosh, for, for being someone who labeled herself as a healthy, balanced mama, I was not balanced in my life. I was not balanced in my food. Um, I had to say my fitness was probably pretty balanced. But other than that, I was not living in a place of balance, even though I thought that to me at the time, I think balance was about juggling. Um, but that's that's definitely not the case at all. At least I know that now. And so I was trying to juggle all of these things and uh, my anxiety was really heightened. And I know that my anxiety and my gut health are very closely linked. And so when I was trying to live by the eat whatever, whenever model of intuitive eating that is, I think, so often shown on social media, I didn't feel good. And so 
2019 specifically was a really hard year of self-discovery. So it was a time of really figuring out who I was and what I wanted in my business and in my life and trying to reconcile that. And then in 2020, it really all came to a head. Um, So I have shared before about ending up in the hospital with an anxiety attack at the beginning of 2020. And um, I didn't intend on going to the hospital, but I had tried to go to a walk-in clinic because I was experiencing some numbness and they automatically associated that with a potential stroke. Um, so they sent me to the hospital, um, which was embarrassing, especially when they came back with all my blood tests looking fine and the MRI looking fine and uh, just uh, calm down, basically take a break and go see your GP if it comes back. But it was a wake-up call for me, for sure, and um, I knew that with some of my gut health issues coming back and my anxiety being so majorly, so majorly impacting my physical health, um, that my body was begging me to listen, and that even though I was a quote-unquote intuitive eater, I wasn't being very intuitive about my body as a whole. I was trying to follow the rules of intuitive eating, the um, which... I should say that there aren't actually any rules of intuitive eating. There are principles to intuitive eating, but I had kind of turned them into rules. And I had so much fear of being called out as not an intuitive eater or not doing the right thing as an intuitive eating counselor because of things like the fact that I cook and eat mostly real whole foods. And I remember having a potential client. Um, she was super, super sweet, but she told me she didn't want to work with me because she didn't love that um, the recipes that I shared on my blog, which are, you know, the same type of recipes that I've been sharing for years and years and years uh, were too healthy um, or too clean, I think is the word she used. And I was like, that's how I cook and how I eat. And that's okay if it doesn't resonate with you. But I was like, oh man. And I felt like I was doing something wrong. And, um, oh gosh. And my intention is never for my recipes to be quote unquote clean or like super healthy or anything like that. But I just cook the food that makes me feel good. And I share it with all of you. And that's always my goal is to make food that is healthy and nutrient-dense really delicious. Um, and there are no uh, certain set of rules or standards or anything like that that I follow, but I do try to eat, to use mostly real whole foods and less processed foods in my cooking. Um, and uh, that is part. those are some of my personal values. Um, and so feeling like my personal values around food and health were wrong was really difficult. And I really had to come to terms with the fact that that was okay. That if I wanted to be my true authentic self within my business, which is what I was trying to do, then I needed to share these values with people too, even if it meant that I might not fit in with some of the other intuitive eating counselors out there. That if it wasn't about me wanting to crusade against diet culture, but it was about me wanting to share living a life of having freedom with food. And that is where I, something that a really powerful lesson that I learned in 2020, that there really are no rules needed in food freedom. I had been um, preaching and sharing this rule-free way of living around food, but I had inadvertently put a whole new set of rules on myself when it came to the way I was talking about food or the way that I was eating. Or when I was first struggling with my gut health, I hid a lot of the meals that I ate or I didn't share. I didn't hide them, but I didn't share a lot of the meals that I ate because I'm like, oh, people are going to think this is too healthy and that that's not intuitive eating. Or I was afraid to share my smoothies every morning because I'm like, oh, if people see me eating this, they're drinking the same thing pretty much every single morning. They're going to think I'm on a diet. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I look back going, Chris, is that what feels good for you? Are you eating what feels good for you? And are you just sharing it? And 
sharing food that is delicious and also nourishing and fuels your body, but there's also no rules attached to it, heck yeah, that's exactly what I would be doing and that's what I want to do. And um, so it was a, it was a really... Last year was a really pivotal year for me in learning what it truly meant to be authentic and to show up authentically in the world and in my business and to work on not caring what other people think. And something interesting that happened too. So I've mentioned my assistant before who has become a really good friend and uh, we love talking about the Enneagram. I actually had um, an Enneagram expert on at the beginning of last year, Jess. She's incredible. Um, and if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it's great. She gives a whole rundown of the different uh, Enneagram types, but uh, the Enneagram is like a personality type test. And within it, you... Um, figure out kind of what your core desires are and core motivations and for um and I thought for a long time that I was an Enneagram 1 because I'm very perfectionistic. Um the Enneagram 1 is the moral perfectionist. Uh but what I discovered in the last year is that I am not a 1 at all. I'm an Enneagram 3. And the Enneagram 3 cares a lot about image and what other people think of them and because I didn't want that to be me, I decided that that wasn't me. But the more that I've dug into it, the more that I resonate with being an Enneagram 3 and needing to recognize that um, it's okay that I am the achiever and that I have this um, desire to show up really well in the world and to help people. Um, that's my wing two there too. Um, and uh, to to achieve, but that it, it doesn't need to be constantly about um, impressing other people or being the best in the eyes of other people. Um, it can be about, about being my most authentic self. So that's a side tangent that has nothing to do with food freedom, <laughs> but, uh, oh gosh, it was during that time in like 2019, early 2020, where I stopped sharing recipes because I felt like I couldn't because I was so self-conscious that people would think that I was trying to be overly healthy or diety. And it was, it was kind of mid 2020. Um, I, I shared an episode on the podcast around my birthday talking a little bit about my thoughts on what I felt like the intuitive eating social media world had come to and how my thoughts were a little bit different than that. And it was really, really well, well received. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, and that was about the time where I decided that I wanted to start sharing more about food and sharing more authentically, you know, what food freedom means to me. And that was really powerful and and really important. I started sharing about my gut health journey and how changing the way that I ate was really an, a really important part of healing. And I started taking back my health and sharing that with people. And it was slow um, and it made me nervous, but it felt so much more aligned. And I did get a little bit of backlash. There were some posts where I, I used the word healthy and, you know, I got backlash for using the word healthy, which you guys is so silly. Health is different for all of us. Absolutely. Um, but I'm the healthy balanced mama. This is the healthy balanced mama podcast. I'm going to use the word healthy and I'm going to embrace the word healthy. And for me, healthy just means nutrient dense and eating in a way that feels good for you. And it's going to be nuanced and different for all of us. And I, I do believe a healthy relationship with food is one of having freedom with food, but also understanding what feels good in your body and what serves your body really well. And that that's going to change season to season. There is no end all be all to healthy or health, but I needed to roll with the punches as I started to to really show up more authentically. Um, and I started to feel more pushed into 
a different type of business. And as I started growing more in my passion around food and uh, in, in the early part of the pandemic, I was actually asked to do some online cooking classes for some local businesses. And that really sparked my love of teaching cooking classes again. I've been teaching cooking classes for 10 years um, in person, both uh, with individuals in their homes and um, in different cooking studios, both here and in Canada. And uh, gosh, I love it. I love it so much. And I, I, can't, you, I wish you could see the huge smile on my face when I talk about teaching cooking classes is literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. I love it. And I can't believe for so many years or for several years that I thought that that wasn't, that was something I needed to hide from my online business because I was trying to be this like picture of intuitive eating. Um, and I, I was teaching healthy cooking classes. And when I started, once I started sharing those more, I was like, what if I started sharing these a little bit more on Instagram? What if I started sharing more cooking tips? And I started introducing myself as a chef, as someone who is passionate about food, who loves food and and, and who loves healthy food and creating healthy food that is delicious. And if I started moving away from the intuitive eating world that felt so divisive um, and so much more of like an anti-diet movement rather than helping people find joy in food without obsession, which is what I really wanted to do. And that's what I really believe in deeply. And so teaching those online cooking classes and then turning them um, into doing some Instagram live cooking classes I was doing every single Thursday on Instagram it really sparked my love and joy of food again. And I started blogging more on food and sharing more of my recipes and creating more recipes. I decided to stop one-on-one -on -one coaching in September of 2020, which is a really important decision for both my family. It was becoming a real strain um, as my husband started his own business and uh, trying to kind of find the time to be the best coach I could be was just not happening. Um, so it was both a family decision as well as a personal decision to, to move towards a, a new way of sharing. And so... This whole year of 2021 has been really me stepping into more of what I am passionate about and really trying to share living food freedom more than a how-to about food freedom and sharing more um, about balance and what I believe balanced eating is and how we can find more balance in food and freedom in food through through balance and that balance is is ever-changing and it's not static, but that we can learn simple things like how to balance our plate for more energy and blood sugar balance and feeling good without crazy measurements or tracking or anything that makes us feel obsessive around food, but we can do it in a way that is gentle and loving and caring for our bodies. And I'm so passionate about all of that. So in this and creating more recipes in teaching free online cooking classes and then turning that into some paid online cooking classes, revamping my meal prep course twice and sharing that more with the world, sharing more about meal planning and how to meal plan in a way that's flexible, sharing more about food budgeting and eating well on a budget, which I'm going to be talking more about. Stay tuned in the fall. Oh gosh, you guys, I have such a big smile on my face because all of this, I know I'm talking about my business right now, but all of this relates to my own journey and my own freedom with food. Because in all of this, food had, had for so many years become about a set of rules. And when I decided to strip away all of the rules, the intuitive eating ones included, 
that's when I really started finding freedom. When I really decided to eat the foods that feel good for me in whatever season that that's in and to not label this or that as being diety or diet culture or clean or dirty or whatever, to just take the labels away and to take the rules away and to allow freedom to be about eating the food that serves me in the amount that serves me. And sometimes that means, yeah, saying no to the dessert after dinner, even though it sounds good because I had ice cream earlier that day and a cookie. And I know that my blood sugar is going to be a hot mess tomorrow if I have dessert before bed. Is that restrictive? No. If I really wanted it, would I have it? Yeah, absolutely. But usually all it takes is me going, do I want dessert right now? Yeah, dessert sounds good. Will it make me feel good or will it wake me up at three o'clock in the morning with the blood sugar sweats? Any of you who have had blood sugar imbalance issues know what I'm talking about. It probably would wake me up at three in the morning with the blood sugar sweats. So you know what? Maybe I don't make that choice. And does that feel restrictive to me anymore? No. If it feels restrictive to you, then don't do it. But for me, sometimes that's the answer. And sometimes it's the opposite, right? Sometimes I go, I'm going to have it anyway because that's what I want and that's what feels like freedom to me. Freedom to me looks different every single day when it comes to food. It is about choosing first and foremost the foods that nourish and energize me um, because that's what makes me feel good. It's also really important to me to eat the foods that serve my gut and my gut health, which means in in seasons going completely gluten-free, um, cutting back on some dairy because I know that both of those things cause some inflammation in my gut when I overdo it. So finding a balance with those. It's also really important to me to eat the foods and to um, make sure that I am conscious about my hormone balance with my PCOS. I had some PCOS symptoms come back earlier this year, and I'm so grateful for Dr. Heather Rhodes. Um, many of you know that I've worked with her. Um, she has coached me, and then we have also done some projects together on hormone balancing recipes, and I'll put links to those in the description box below in the show notes. She's just, she's been an incredible help and just bringing in more foods that serve my hormones has been, and being more intentional about my eating without being obsessive has been so important to me. And having the freedom to do that, the freedom to serve my body and to also not feel like there are any rules or restrictions around food has been really powerful and really key. And that's, that's where food freedom is for me now. It's not about eating all the things all the time. It's not about having rules or restrictions around food. It's not about having rules or restrictions around intuitive eating or this being diet culture or that being diet culture. It's about not being bogged down by rules at all. It's about not labeling foods at all. It's about taking time to learn and to recognize what feels good and embrace that and being and having the freedom to change that season to season. It's about being conscious of my needs when it comes to my health and wellness and my own unique body and my needs in different seasons. For instance, when I'm training, when I'm running, oh, by the way, also totally have freedom with fitness now too. <laughs> that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic we'll talk more about, but you know, I love training for half marathons and marathons. And so I like doing that once or twice a year. And uh, during those seasons, I have to be a lot more intentional about my eating. I have to eat sometimes when I'm not hungry to make sure I'm eating enough. I need to be more conscious about refueling after workouts. And so that does require me thinking about things like how much protein am I getting? How many carbs am I getting? And is this something where I obsessively track or measure? No, it's about serving my body well in that season. It's not something I do all of the time, but it is something that I do while I'm training because that is part of serving my body. And so I want to encourage you 
in all of this that it's okay to serve your body in the way that works for you and the way that feels good. It's okay to be intentional about your eating without being obsessive. It's okay to take the time to learn and to recognize what feels good. Food freedom is about having the freedom to eat whatever, whenever. But it's also the freedom to make the choices that serve you. And so that's what it is to me. It's about having the freedom to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and the freedom to make the choice, to make the choices that serve me and that serve my body and that nourish my body and that make me feel good and that help me show up as the best version of myself with energy, with really great gut health, with balanced hormones, with being, feeling like I'm a good example for my kids that they understand that sometimes we're going to have dessert and sometimes we're not. And sometimes we're going to go out for ice cream and sometimes we're not. And sometimes we're going to have salad for dinner and sometimes we're going to have pizza. And it's not like we have salad this many days or we have healthy foods this many days and then this day we have an unhealthy food that balances about all types of foods being a part of our life but about recognizing what feels good in our bodies and what doesn't and what fuels our body and what doesn't and making sure that we have a variety of nutrients on our plate and the kids know that it's important for us to have protein because it helps to keep us strong, that it's important to have vegetables. My youngest loves to talk about vegetables, helping her run really, really fast and I don't correct her because that's great. She loves to eat them. (laughs) and how foods give us energy and we love to talk about food in our house and there's a lot of people out there um, in the intuitive eating world that'll tell you to not talk about food and nutrients with your kids but I disagree I want my kids to feel joy around food and around cooking and also around health and wellness too and if they're not interested in that that's cool too but I love it being a part of my life and a part of my business and I love sharing healthy food that is also delicious and creating recipes and sharing incredible meals through cooking classes some of which are healthy and some of which are completely what many people would consider indulgent but delicious just the same and sharing the beauty of taste and texture and temperature when it comes to food and how that how we can create delicious and nutrient dense and satisfying meals out of simple ingredients that we have at home and how we can do it on a budget and how we can do it in a way that works for us how we can meal plan and meal prep in a way that makes food feel less stressful i love the practical side of eating and getting dinners on the table and getting our kids in the kitchen. I love all of those things and all of those are a part of me finding freedom with food and being able to authentically share that with the people in my community and in my world. And I am so, so grateful for that. So how how do I want to share food now? And what does food freedom mean to me now? It means guilt-free, rule-free, healthy living. It means finding joy in food, in cooking, and in eating, and having a beautiful and robust experience with food, while also actively working on feeling really good. So that's where I'm at with food freedom five years later. It's a lot different than where I started. My journey has been so winding. It's been so up and down, both in my business and my personal life. And I'm so grateful for where I am today. And I'm so grateful for all of you being along this journey with me for the past 200 episodes and beyond. And um, of course, this is still going to be something that we talk about on the podcast because I think more women need to hear a message of dieting not being the answer, but to also have the inspiration and examples of wellness from a place of balance, not obsession from me and the guests on this podcast. But we're also going to cover different topics too, because like, I, like I've said before, I believe that balance is holistic. And so we're going to talk about things like parenting and 
fashion and we will talk about food and fitness, but we'll talk about hormone health and gut health and anxiety and all different different levels of health. And I want to bring all of that within to the podcast because I want us to be well-rounded, balanced women. And last but not least, I want you to know that I don't believe that there's any arriving at a place of food freedom. It's about finding what feels good and what feels free over and over again. And I am so grateful that I learned that. And I hope that that resonates with you too. And now, as promised, I want to share some updates on the future of the podcast and some exciting changes to the format of the podcast. Like I mentioned in the beginning, one of the unexpected joys of having a podcast over the last few years has been creating a community within the podcast. I love connecting with the guests on the podcast here, but I love just as much connecting with each and every one of you who reaches out over on Instagram or in the Healthy Balanced Mamas community on Facebook. And one of my favorite ways to connect with you and really bring you as listeners into the podcast is through doing Q&As. And every time I do a Q&A, whether it's a solo Q&A or a Q&A with someone else, those are some of my most viewed or most listened to episodes. And I think it's because I am able to to bring you in and to answer your questions on areas where I am an expert. You know, I bring in guests for areas where I'm not an expert, but I love sharing and answering your questions, whether they're personal or they're questions on areas where I do have some expertise. So whether that is intuitive eating, cooking, movement, meal planning, meal prep, all of those areas that I love to talk about. I love doing Q&As and connecting with all of you on social media. And through those Q&As, I feel like I can bring you in and bring you as a part of the podcast. So so often it feels like it's just me sitting in my office area talking to myself if I'm not recording with a guest. And I always think of all of you as I am recording these episodes for you. But I love it to be more interactive, and I really, really love the community aspect of having a podcast. And I want to continue that by making Q&As a more permanent part of the podcast. So moving forward, the podcast format is going to be guest or solo episodes for the first few episodes each month, and then the last episode of every month is going to be a Q&A. It's not just going to be a Q&A, but I am so excited to announce that I am actually bringing on a Q&A co-host. I love being able to have conversations about the different topics that you guys are asking about and you guys want to learn more about. And so I am so excited that Danielle Havens, who you met last episode, is going to be coming on as my Q&A co-host over the next few months. She is an incredible health coach. She is a registered nurse, so she has a medical background as well. And together, we are just so excited to share the joy of intuitive eating and nourishing yourself, body, mind, and soul, and to answer questions that you have for us about how we manage everything from meal planning to mom life to pregnancy, birth, babies, intuitive movement, habits and routines. I have had so many incredible suggestions from all of you on Instagram about things that you want to hear more about. 
And so each and every month over on Instagram and in the Healthy Balanced Mamas Facebook community, I'm going to put out a call for questions and we will take as many of them as we can and we will answer them for you. So we will be able to have a conversation, bring you into the podcast and really create even more of an incredible community with the Healthy Balanced Mamas podcast and the Healthy Balanced Mamas community. So I could not be more excited to have Danielle come on. She is so sweet. She has a ton of knowledge and I can't wait to make this more of a conversation. And so that is the the big announcement when it comes to the podcast and the format. And the other thing that I wanted to share is that over the last almost year, I guess the last nine months, as I started the Healthy Mama Hacks episodes, those have also been some of my most popular episodes. And you guys love those little 20-ish minute episodes where I share my best hacks for living a healthy, balanced mama life. And so I've talked about everything from meal planning and meal prep and cooking. And those are sort of episodes that might not necessarily go along with the other episodes of the podcast, but you guys really love them. And so I decided to go ahead and give Healthy Mama Hacks its own space, its own space to live. And so as of um, the next week, so not this week, but next week, Healthy Mama Hacks is going to be moving over to the Healthy Mama Hacks podcast. So instead of getting them here on Fridays, you will be able to get them all over on Healthy Mama Hacks, and you'll be able to see all of the past episodes of Healthy Mama Hacks all in one place. So you won't be searching through all of the guest episodes and the Q&As to find the Healthy Mama Hacks episodes. So I hope that you will click the link in the show notes, subscribe to the Healthy Mama Hacks podcast. It's just another way to stay connected with me. And if you love those episodes, then you can subscribe over there. And if you don't love those episodes, then you can still stay over here for guest episodes and solo episodes and all of the Q&As and conversations on living a healthy, balanced mama life. So I'm so excited about all of these changes coming up. They're little changes, but I think they're going to be impactful. And I think it's just going to create an even better future of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. So as always, thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful for each and every one of you. And I hope you are as excited about the changes as I am. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.